You're listening to the Travel Geniuses Podcast for travel agents who love planning vacations for their clients, but wish the business side of things was just a little bit easier. This is episode 41. Are you selling Cuba yet? You're going to want to after you listen to this episode. Hey, Travel Geniuses, Christy here. Thanks for joining me again for another episode. I'm really excited to share this one with you. It's a little different than what I normally do. We're not um, talking about anything you need to do for your business or a new strategy you need to try out or something you need to change. We're just talking travel in this one. I'm talking to David Lee from Cultural Cuba, and he had actually reached out to me to suggest having him on to talk about the difference between a DMC and a tour operator and how best to work with a DMC. But we got talking about Cuba so much and what's possible there that I ended up having to split this into two separate episodes. So this episode is all about Cuba. And oh my gosh, I cannot wait to go now after hearing him talk about it and some of the things that he and his company can make happen for us. But the next episode, we will get into those discussions about what's the difference between a DMC and a tour operator and um, how you can work with a company like Cultural Cuba to benefit you and your clients. So that's all I'm going to say about today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Well, thanks for joining me for this. I'm so glad you reached out. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start with just talking a little bit about how you got started in the travel industry and what you're doing now. It's, uh, it's, it's always a challenging uh, story for me to, to keep short, um, but I, I'm, I'm going to do my best uh, because, uh, as my wife likes to refer to it, this is sort of a midlife crisis career change, um, <laughs> and it's not my favorite title for it, um, but... This uh, certainly wasn't my first career. Previous to the travel industry, uh, I was in telecoms. I had uh, my own um, call center business in Central Europe. Actually, we built the first private call center in in Central Europe. So I I lived uh, for almost 11 years. Um, I was headquartered in Budapest. We had um, offices in Prague and Warsaw and uh, Vienna. But that's uh, you know, it's it's like a former life at this point. Um, we sold the business. I uh, moved back to my home city, which is Chicago. That's uh, that's where I'm I'm from. I was fortunate in that I, I was now in a phase where you know, it, business always excites me and and doing new things and that that's great. But I was in a position finally financially where you know the next thing I wanted to do, I, I wanted to be more passionate about it. And it's. Uh, Maybe it's it's uh, it's cliche a little bit to say I'm passionate about travel. Um, I think most people are passionate somewhat about travel, um, but that's very simplistic, right? So so it's what niche within that um, was exciting me, and I found that after I had moved back from Europe, um, I was missing the travel aspect of my previous life and. Um, as I explored opportunities, I, I just accidentally, um, you know, I have a, like a lot of people, I have a list of my, you know, places that I wanted to travel to and, and visit. Uh, Cuba was very high on my list, um, because I, I, uh, I knew a lot about the history. I was honestly very into Cuban cigars and Cuban rum and the music. And so it was, it was one of those places that I was going to go at some point, um, 
no matter what. And uh, I was under the the mistaken impression, like a, a lot of Americans, that you to go to Cuba, it was actually you know forbidden for us in a sense. So to go to Cuba, you would have to go through Canada, you would have to go through another country, you'd have to ask them not to stamp your passport. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, that's uh, that's not a very comfortable way to to, to go somewhere. Um, even if you you don't agree with embargoes or the rules or anything like that, but it's um, I uh, I was very curious about it. And then a friend invited me to go on a humanitarian trip, uh, bringing pharmaceutical products into Cuba. And I found out when I said, you know, very quickly, yes, I would love to do that. Um, and it was a lot of doctors that were going on this trip. At, we flew direct from Miami on a chartered plane. It was a Treasury Department sanctioned trip, and everything was legal. Um, and that's that was not only my first exposure to Havana, but it was also a realization that guess what? There are there are legal re- ways to go to Cuba direct from the United States. So these these uh, at the time there was twelve. Now we're down to eleven. Um, but uh, licensed reasons that Americans could go were already in existence. So this was this was uh, a decade ago, and I had high expectations when I got there um, already because of you know all the things I was excited about being there. And I really, as much as those expectations were already high, I, I couldn't believe the city that I saw when I got there. It's it's a it's a major European city. It does look like uh, it's very dilapidated, obviously, in a lot of places. Um, you're definitely stepping back in time. You hear that a lot when people talk about Cuba. It is not exaggerated. Um, but it's it has nothing, you know, I've traveled all over the Caribbean, been to all the islands. You know, I love the area in many different ways, but nothing is quite like Havana. Um, it's a, it's a, the architecture, you know, it's a 500 year old city of, you know, 2 million people in Havana, 10 million on the whole island. The island is very big. I mean, it's the length of California. Wow. And, uh, it's just the thing that really blew me away. Not, not just the fact that, uh, of the architecture and the, 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 the size of the city and the, and how, how amazing it was and the, all the old cars driving around and everything, which are also incredible because it's not just, that's not just for show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a Holly, it's not a Hollywood movie set. I mean, you see beautiful ones that are well kept that are used like as taxis. And then you've got everything from something that again, 50 years old, it's very rusted out. It's held together with duct tape and rubber bands, but they're using it. Um, so it, they're all over the place. Uh, but the, the arts, the, it, it's kind of a phenomenon there, the way they excel at the arts. Um, and, it's partially due to the culture. I think it's a lot. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, 50 years under a um, you know more repressive regime, socialist regime, and you know a situation where uh, the you know the the outlet for them for creativity and that sort of thing, and and because of cost uh, was the arts. So they excel in music, dance, um, literature, also, but and fine arts. But it's also a combination of the fact that you can criticize the regime all you want for a lot of reasons, right? And I'm, I'm a true capitalist. So there's no, um, you know, I'm never going to say socialism is the right way to go. But my, my, the, the one thing they did do, they created a high level of education and it's free for everyone. So you've got this, one of the highest literacy rates in the world. Um, and because the arts were, were very valued in the culture, they have phenomenal art schools. And 
you know, it, it's, it was so encouraged and families, you know, where we, we might take a lot of pride in having children who are very successful financially, doctors, lawyers, or whatever. One of the nicest things you can say about your children if you're in Cuba is that they're a phenomenal musician or an amazing dancer or amazing, you know, it's almost, it's held up at the same level of esteem. So um, I think all of that kind of plays into it, but it's just the, 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 the amount of talent coming out of, you know, a, a small population is, is quite amazing. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. I mean, it's like when I, whenever someone comes to, uh, like people who come there who are in the music business or, you know, in the arts, that sort of thing, and they visit Cuba, they, they notice it right away. I mean, the true experts. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, the, the, the getting back to the whole foundation of the company, I came back, I was in a place where I had the flexibility of like looking to do, what do I want to do next? I wanted to come back again and not as a business. I just thought, you know, the, there's a lot of good that can happen between the U S and Cuba. They're right there. I felt, I felt a lot like I felt in the emerging markets of central Europe that, this is this place is on the verge of change. the The regime hasn't changed, um, and at the time I started there, I mean, uh, Fidel Castro was still alive. Raúl's running the country, but uh, you could tell it with the the people. Um, they the new generation didn't grow up the same as their parents, and the you know the younger generation, and and they were poised to like start to grasp a more entrepreneurial capitalistic economy. Um, and even under Raul Castro, they had started to open things up. So small mom and pop businesses, so to speak, shops, restaurants, private homes for rental, those had already started up. So you could see things happening that are very similar to kind of what happened in the, you know, after the wall came down in the, in the Central and Eastern Europe. So that was already in my blood, too. And I was like, OK, I see what's happening here. And I'm, I'm like, I, I, you know, I want to come back. So what I did is I just started looking at how can I put together my own trips, um, humanitarian trips um, with friends and family. And over the course of a few years, what I noticed was that people started reaching out to me who I didn't know just through word of mouth because no one was doing the trips like we were doing, private and custom. There were companies doing trips for Americans, but they were what I call like the big bus tours cookie cutter itineraries, no flexibility, um, you know, fixed dates with large groups of people. And you have to do what they have on the schedule. You can't, if you have a special interest, you can't do that. No, right. Exactly. In fact, in fact, a lot of them and still, you know, on, on their websites or whatever, it'll say, you know, you're agreeing to this is mandatory participation required. And, you know, this is your itinerary and it's, uh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's that sort of thing. Um, but uh, I, I don't like to travel that way for the most part. Um, I think most people don't. And Cuba, especially, if if you go on something that's that rigid, um, there's so much spontaneity that can happen on a trip trip to Havana with the people that you meet. And it's very hard to know in advance. As much as you plan in advance, um, there there are lots of things that you want to just follow a certain direction, and it's it adds a lot to your experience. That's the best part about travel is all those unexpected things that you discover and people you meet. So, yeah. Right. Right. For sure. And, and the, the other thing is that uh, the, the cuisine has really evolved. Um, it used to be people would say, you definitely don't go to Havana for the food. <laughs> you know, it's all rice and beans. Uh, it's true. They do have a lot of rice and beans. Uh, of course, the beans are 
black, their black beans are phenomenal, but um, they, what's happened is with this like reforms that have taken place, they've allowed people to operate private restaurants inside their homes. And literally it started out as like a table in someone's kitchen. And now it's really evolved in the sense that, you know, you've got money coming in from the U S or, or Europe or other, you know, South, South America, uh, major chefs from around the world come and consult. And, um, it still would be someone's home, but they've pretty much converted it into a restaurant. People might live upstairs and the whole downstairs is a restaurant, um, but that's where the best food is being served and it's privately owned. And that is the, it's part of the experience. So every single one of them is a little bit different. You can go from a restaurant in someone's apartment that has four tables to a, you know, one of the most famous restaurants that's taken over three floors of this old building. Uh, and, you know, it has more like 50 or 60 tables in it. But if you're going on a rigid kind of trip with, uh, you know, a large group of people that's all fixed, you're, you're going to miss out on a lot of these kind of places. Um, so that's really how it happened. Uh, like it just, it started to, it, at first I was like, I didn't even think this could be a business. Um, but I was already passionate about it and, um, the passion just grew and I realized we were filling a niche that wasn't being served and cultural Cuba was born. So now we're getting close to like the 10, 10 year anniversary. I loved hearing you talk about what's possible there because I've wanted to go to, I haven't been yet, but I've really wanted to go. And I remember when it opened up more and there were all these, you know, bigger companies doing tours there and none of them really sounded great to me. Like I would read the brochure and think, okay, I want to do that so I can say I've been to Cuba, but I would never have felt like I had been to Cuba if I had done one of their you know, just like really regimented and, and pre-planned tours. Um, and so I do have a question though for you, because I've always said yes. I want to get there before yes. McDonald's. Yes. Is there a McDonald's okay. in Cuba yet? <laughs> no. Okay, good. <laughs> no. And uh, yes, you hear that a lot. But I want to go before Starbucks, McDonald's <laughs> and are on every corner, um, which uh, I completely understand. Um, that would would start to really change the environment. Um, let's put it this way. That is a long way off, in my opinion. So that wouldn't be the first thing I'd be afraid of as far as why you should go <laughs> as soon as you can. Uh, just because so much has to happen. The Those franchises and that, that whole business model won't happen without really a dramatic regime change in, in Cuba. Plus, as you um, are probably aware, right, We it's an embargoed country. Um, and right now, the reason an embargo has so much power, because I get this question a lot also from people is like, why, why are they suffering so much under an embargo if, you know, everyone else can go to Cuba? So it's true. Um, the only ones who have travel restrictions really are Americans. But the way embargoes really work, and they're run by the Treasury Department, is that if you are a company that wants to do business with the United States, you're not supposed to also be doing business in an embargoed country. How many companies do you think are going to choose an island of 10 million people over the United States of America to do business? So uh, that's why there is this, you know, and, and obviously that's why you really don't see, even, even if, I mean, even if the Cuban government was completely welcoming and said, yeah, let me want to expand all kinds of franchises. Um, 
and have them come in, uh, you wouldn't see it yet without without the embargo being lifted. Yeah, so there's things. There are a lot of things that have to change, um, but it is nice. I mean, it is refreshing to go to a place where you don't see that mm-hmm. um, and where the best food is served in people's homes. Yes, and, um, you know, it's just and, and and here's the amazing thing too. It's like this place. It, you, uh, we say it's the uh, it's the furthest closest destination you can go to as an American because look at it, it's ninety miles off the coast of Miami and um, you are transported literally. Yep. It's for a special kind of traveler. I mean, not. I think it's more common now, but it's not for the type of person who wants to make sure they get their Starbucks coffee every morning or wants an American style hotel or wants you know. American food, French fries and cheeseburgers for every meal. So um, why don't you tell me who is a good candidate? Like how can agents vet their current clients or new clients that come in to know if Cuba is something that they should recommend? Okay. So first of all, I'll just, one point you made, I'll just jump on real quick is that um, it is true that if they literally want a McDonald's, no. That's not the place to go. If you if you need that comfort um, of having a McDonald's or a Starbucks, yes. But there are very high standard hotels now. Um, five star, full world class five star hotel properties. You don't have to give that up to travel to Cuba. Um, there's certainly a variety of cuisine, so it isn't just Cuban food. Um, which is great. Yeah. And you do want to experience that. Why, well, you know, you're going to a certain culture. You probably do want to experience that culture's food, but um, that doesn't mean every single meal has to be, uh, you know, there's no, there's no hamburgers. There's no, it's, that's not, that's not really the case. So um, I will say it's so, so from one perspective, it, it's a place that will definitely appeal to almost everyone. I, I wouldn't eliminate too much from that. Um, the, Right now, especially for Americans, it's not a, you can't compare it to uh, a typical Caribbean island, like it's a beach resort destination. Um, that's one thing to, to, to kind of separate out because um, one, as an American, you are not really supposed to spend multiple days simply at a beach resort, like an all-inclusive resort or that sort of thing, even though Cuba has unbelievably gorgeous beaches. It's look at its location. It has the typical blue sea, white sand, Caribbean beaches um, that have been, and they have tons of hotels in that area. Um, but they are, let's just say, they're they're more your four, three and a half star variety, all inclusives for the most part. Um, they're just now having some more like luxury resort properties that are kind of eyeing the area. But I think those won't go in full steam ahead until. Americans can freely travel back and forth. They want that Amer- American business to be able to come. Um, so it's that's where I, I usually try to have people separate that if you want a little bit of beach combined with culture, combined with um, you know the, the music experience, the food, architecture, um, and it, it's that that is what it's more for, right? It's a really good multi-gen. Um, That's what I was trip. just going to ask you. Um, it because uh, yeah, so I would say age range best to have uh, not the littlest little kids. Um, although we do, of course, have plenty of those travelers. But I would say the the, the ideal scenario would be uh, ten years ten years old and up, as far as uh, children are concerned. 
Um, there's a lot that appeals to, to children and teens, especially. And then there's something for everybody going up through the age ranges. And what's really kind of nice we see with families is that because it's a destination where, for example, they, have, they have, do have cell phone service now, mm-hmm. oh. but it's really new. It's relatively new, that, especially internet. Mm-hmm. It, used to be, it used to be none. And then it was just in certain areas, these internet parks, so to speak. Now it's more widely available, but it's still a situation where if you're going to travel and you know, you've got your, your, your teenagers are just constantly on their cell phones, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm can't, can't, they're just addicted. They're hooked. <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm practically am also. So I know exactly what it's all about. Right. <laughs> and it's like, um, you're, you're, the temptation is gone because literally, you know, when you're not in the hotel on Wi-Fi, you're not going to have great internet service. Not nothing that uh, any Americans used to. So yeah. um, there, it forces them to be a little more disconnected, especially while you're out touring and be present. Um, yet, you're not denying them to get their fix every day because I mean, you get back to the hotel or the boutique hotel, wherever they're staying, they will have Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and they'll be able to stream. They'll be able to contact friends via social media, post Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And it's so you, you've got that best of both worlds. And we've had a lot of people that they, they want to do this kind of trip, even for that reason alone. Um, so it's it's a great family destination. Um it is the kind of place where we see a lot of um, it's become a destination for like destination birthdays. Wow, Very popular okay. for that, for like, you know, someone celebrating a 30th, a 40th, 50th, whatever, uh, and, and, and inviting friends to go because it's exciting, it's unique, yet it's not far. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for every, everyone to get to. And there's so much variety and there's so much amazing nightlife that it's just a little bit of something that appeals to almost everyone. And, and, and still, um, even through the big boom that happened uh, during the Obama administration, there's a good percentage of people that have never been. Yeah. So that's another reason it's like when people want to celebrate some milestone or something and then have other friends join their response rate is, you know, usually close to a hundred percent. Everyone's super excited about going to Cuba. Yeah. It's a very brag worthy destination to go to. It is. And it's, it's, it's this, it's like a photographer's dream. Mm, yeah, I bet. A- amateur or otherwise, you know, and now that we're all photographers with the quality of the pictures are, that we can even take on our cell phones, right? It's, it's one of those places that, you know, so many people come back from these trips and that becomes their new profile picture, you know, either they're in a, in a classic car yeah. um, or in one of these amazing Cuban buildings with the Cuban musicians or dancers behind them or something. It's just, it's that kind of place. It's becoming more and more popular for also for things like destination weddings, uh, believe it or oh. not. That's happening. Um, the uh, there, It's a good place for guys trips, for girls trips, for a mixture. Uh, you know, so we get families, we get um, groups of uh, young adults or, or any age adult. Like they, it's a good couples kind of trip as well. Uh, the the one of the things that's very positive about it that um, I don't know if many people know it's one of the safest places you can travel in the world. There are no guns um, except for military and police, and the, it's not even though you could qualify it as more of a police state in that sense. It's not like there's policemen all over, and it's like a scary situation. It's a very passive culture, so there's virtually no violent crime. Um, it 
even though it economically it would, be, it would still be considered a third world country, it had there's almost no homelessness. Um, and because education is provided for everyone and homes and that sort of thing, it doesn't have that same feel. You don't have beggars everywhere. And there's almost nothing, even the typical tourist crime that you might experience in places like pickpocketing or something, not, you almost never hear about it. Uh, so, you know, I, unfortunately, given what's going on in our country, I mean, I would say it's, it's certainly safer than, than most U.S. cities. Yeah. Question. I think a lot of um, places and, are. We just don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. And, and, and it's, but also, like, I get that question, like, women traveling alone, perfect mm-hmm. place to go. Perfect place to go. Uh, alone, alone or groups of women. Um, what about same-sex couples? Are they, is that okay? Ah, yes. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so it is extremely uh, LGBTQ friendly. Um, and there are a few reasons for that. So the, cause, cause often people will think like what's happening in, uh, you know, in Russia and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. those, th- those kind of, uh, climates are, are, uh, the opposite, but, um, Raul Castro's daughter, um, is a huge, um, equal rights champion. And she actually brought back the gay pride parade a few years wow. ago. To Cuba. Um, there are gay bars, there are, um, there's a, this is, and this is the thing that always is, uh, amazes people under, so they have socialized medicine, right? So, so the, the medical system is at a very high quality and free for everyone. They actually have a, a program with under the socialized medicine that provides consulting for those, for, for individuals who are considering transitioning, wow. um, and they're very good about it. They, it's not like, okay, we'll just do it for you. They, they go through a series of counseling, making sure that it's absolutely right. And then if it is, if it turns out that after this program, they are certainly, you know, the, the right candidate, it's provided. Like a sex change operation is literally provided under the socialized medicine. Wow. Um, so it's incredibly progressive. I mean, the only other places you hear about that would be like Scandinavia. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I had no idea. I would have never guessed that. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I know. I, it, and, and most people wouldn't, wouldn't realize it. Yeah. Um, I think we're, we're, we're probably going to, uh, be exhibiting at like the proud conference this year. Um, also to kind of spread that word because it's, uh, yeah, not, that's something not everybody knows. Yeah, no. So what do, what are your packages or your tours? I don't know. Do you call them tours? Like, what do they look like? What kinds of things can people do? Um, how many people do you need to have on one? Because I, like, I don't know. I'm a rule follower. So the thought before of trying to, like, not follow yeah. the rules and go to Canada <laughs> or Mexico or something and do it was <laughs> okay. always terrifying to me. Like, I just would constantly be worried. What if I get caught? Um, right. So. Um, now, since you know how to do it legally, <laughs> right, right. I, let, and let's, let, why don't we talk about that aspect very quickly before I get more into, you know, what the, the trips are really like. Yeah. Um, it, it's an important thing to address because, uh, it's something that we in this business, I could have chosen a much easier destination, honestly, <laughs> yeah. to, to take on. Um, because uh, in addition to all the challenges anyone would face trying to be a destination management company in a foreign country, the, um, we have this political issue that is, it's continuous. It's, 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 you know, and it's changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
under the previous administration, uh, they really opened things up and made things easier and more transparent and kind of woke everybody up to the fact that Cuba's open, you can go. Um, in reality, the, the licenses were still in existence. You couldn't just go. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't just book a hotel online and go like you travel everywhere else freely. You still had to be under a certain itinerary designation. Um, but it, it, you know, they made it easier, much easier to do. We used to have to have every single trip pre-approved uh, by the Treasury Department. And now they, uh, it became what's called a general license so that companies that, that were under the jurisdiction of the Treasury and um, they knew about, they already vetted us, we could just do trips without getting each, every trip approved. Um, the new administration came in and for, for political reasons, and I won't get into, you know, let's, yeah. let's stay away from politics, <laughs> Yes, but uh, the, they uh, gave off the impression that they were reversing everything that Obama had put in place. And a lot of people have been under the mistaken impression that it's now closed off again. It's back to the way it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not accurate. Hmm. Nothing really, nothing of, of substance has changed. The commercial airlines are still flying. So um, you, there's many different cities within the U.S. that have daily flights nonstop to Havana. Uh, they, they would be done or gone if they had shut down, yeah. you know, the, con- the country to, to, to uh, all tourism. Um, the licenses that existed under the Obama administration for travel there uh, are still in existence except for one. They, they got rid of one called People to People. Honestly, that's not really a big deal. At least it wasn't for us because we didn't mm-hmm. use it. Um, we've, been tra- we've been using something called Support for the Cuban People uh, for, for many, many years. So it actually didn't affect us at all. But um, all the other, most of the other companies that were doing People to People just converted their, mm-hmm. their tours to meet the restrictions of, of support for the Cuban people. And it's very nuanced. So I'll explain that too. Uh, but the reality is it was the perception changed in that the way media was reporting, the way the administration was reporting things. And every six months, it seems like something new pops up. Uh, it was scaring people. You know, a lot of uh, people will just look at, oh, it seems like it's closed off or it's too complicated. I'm just not going to go there. Yeah. Um, and even travel advisors, you know, we're, we're assuming that this isn't a destination I want to, I want to sell to clients. Um, and that's, actually not accurate, right? So at the end of the day, and this is why a, a message I really want to get across to travel advisors, the way that a travel advisor really adds value, right, is explaining to, to your everyday client who isn't an expert, you're the expert, about destinations like this and, and letting them know, oh, no, you can still go and it's an amazing place to go and here's why and it'll be totally legal and safe and, right? And that's, it's like gives them an opportunity to really um, prove their worth in, in a sense. Yeah. Because if it's just another destination, like anybody can, can go to France, anybody mm-hmm. can go to Paris, you know, and, and, and you're trying to kind of elevate yourself and show them that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're maybe pushing them out of their comfort zone a little bit, but also like explaining like, here, here's how you can do it. And I'm backing you up on this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the reality is, there are these so-called licenses. I never use the word restriction because the, the issue is, what does it really mean to someone who's traveling over there? Um, every, so support for the Cuban people, which is 
what 90% of our travelers go to Cuba under. The, the real simple way to explain that, our, the, the, our objective, and it's us as a company, we do it. The traveler doesn't have to work mm-hmm. about anything, um, is that 90% or more, let's just say the vast majority of money that, the, that they spend on a trip um, is going to the people and not the government of Cuba. It's really, that's what it means. Yeah. And that's and, better and, and anyway. It, I mean, as a traveler, that feels better to know that the yes, people who are helping uh, and, you and, and providing experiences for you are the ones getting the money. So it was our mission when we started this business. So when I found out about that category and what it meant, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, and as far as limitations on what you can see, do, experience, there isn't really anything. It's not, it's, you know, the one thing that I mentioned was that it's not a destination where you just go to an all-inclusive resort, you know, drink Mm -hmm. all day, sit at the beach. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, That's not the business I'm in anyway. I mean, there's plenty of places in the world. I I don't, yeah, that's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing anyone who wants to do that. It's a great (laughs) escape, but I'm just saying it's like, that's not the reason to go to Cuba yeah. anyway. So, and it's not what we set up ourselves up for. So my point is everything that you truly want to experience when you go to Havana, which is the arts, you know, architecture, history, cuisine, rum, cigars, go to a cigar factory. <laughs> can you, you know, bring them home? Fact- oh, yes. Oh, you can. You can okay. <laughs> In fact, uh, oh, the, the Obama administration took away the restriction. So now you can carry... It's like a loose restriction, but I think it's like a hundred cigars a person can be brought back. Um, and and it, and they left it. The new administration left it. I so, was really under the impression that they took almost everything away. So I'm so glad to right? learn that. Like it was just like a, a you know, just a marketing. Oh, gimmick and you're not, the, you're, you're not the only one. So <laughs> I mean, I spent like like talking to someone like you on, on a podcast like this and, and uh, spending time talking to media and stuff. That's a big part of what I do because mm-hmm. we have to, yeah. uh, there's so much negative spin that has caused a misconception that you can't go that, you know, we have to, we have to do this. Um, but at least it keeps Cuba in the news. That's yeah. the, you know, that's the, well. the positive side <laughs> of it is. Um, and I will say this from a, from a, from a traveler's perspective, if it was wide open, it would be really crowded. Yeah. Yeah, that was my fear. That was my comment about McDonald's. I don't really care if there's McDonald's there. I just Right. It's a weird um like I think it's the same thing when people talk about the Maasai tribe in Kenya and stuff like you they deserve to have modern luxuries and things that we take for granted here too, you know? But then there's still right. part of me that like I want to see what it was like before, you know? Yes. Yes. So I and I I feel that that's the dichotomy of it all. It's like it's so nice to, you know, because even when they started getting the internet and the cell phones and everything, oh my God, they need that. Yeah. I mean, these people don't, you know, they need to, 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 to come into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's like you, you need that for the people, but at the same time, honestly, as a, as a, you know, an outsider who's visiting and loves that feeling that it's stepping back in time. Mm-hmm. Eh, there was a little bit of that, like, oh, Darn. gosh, <laughs> I, I'm so sad to see all these teenagers on the corner in the internet cafe area, right? Yeah. Staring at their phones. <laughs> you know, at first it was that, it was that feeling, but yeah, so there's a balance. Yeah, There's a balance. And that's what I say. What I, what I really love about the area too, is that 
it's going to be a slow transition. And it should be because um, one of the things I learned about being in Eastern and Central Europe is that it like it happened too fast, you know, and what happens when something transitions that fast is crime comes in really quickly, you know, um, syndicates, mafia, that kind of thing. It's just, you know, organized crime. It, it, that's what happens. Um, and as people, you know, so I feel there's a there's a great hope for Cuba is that this slower transition to full-on democracy and capitalism will be probably a good thing. And I can tell you right now, it is going to happen. Yeah. It's just, you can tell. You can tell with it, you know, but the idea is, hey, let's have it be a velvet revolution, not a Mm, war. Yeah. Not, not, right? Let's have it happen slowly so people don't don't get killed, so that everyone doesn't Mm -hmm. leave the country. Like, like let's make it, and there's a potential for that. Yeah. You know, if, if if it's done right. So, um, but again, as a, as a traveler, you know, you come to a company like ours, um, and we basically, because there are restrictions that kind of scare people. Like, for example, if you read the letter of the law, like go on the, the, the treasury department's website about embargoed countries, Cuba has a whole section and it'll say, you know, you can go, here's the lice, here's the reasons you can go. And they have lists, uh, educational, blah, 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 religious, uh, you know, if you're on an academic study program, if you're in a sporting competition, it's like, yeah. and they're very, it's all written in legalese. It's very complicated. There's a category called support for the Cuban people. You could read that 10 times over and still not understand what it says. Um, and the average person's like, what? I, I don't know what to do. And then it says you have to keep your documents and all receipts from everything you spend for five years. You know, this is scary, like scary stuff. Right. It was like, I, what I, you know, if you just look at that, you're like, I'm not going there. Um, but this is the thing. I mean, we do all of that for their clients, like everything. They, they don't have to worry. We even give them a sponsor letter. It's all written, you know, how it, that they could present to the, what they go for a global entry interview or they, um, you know, some customs agent asked them what they were doing in Cuba. They could just hand them the letter. Oh, free to, you know, it's <laughs> all taken care of. We keep all the documentation for the five years in case they ever needed anything. They can come back and call us. We'll give them everything they need because we don't expect them to keep a thing. Yeah. You know, you, especially now everything's kept online mostly. Like you just, you know, you'll misplace it, lose it, whatever. Um, so all of that's done for. We provide their visas. We uh, we are contracted by the Cuban government. We write our own visas. So um, hmm. no issues there. We provide that for the clients. And the whole idea is what we do is private and custom. So no cookie cutter itinerary, no big bus tour on, on fixed dates. The amount of people, the the number of uh, the group size, as you mentioned, it, like how many, you know, how many people you need to go, one to two, two hundred. Okay. I mean, there's no, you know, literally we have solo travelers mm-hmm. that go, and and we don't do because we don't do the fixed date kind of thing. Um, our average client customer size would be between five and ten people, but we've done groups that are, like I said, two hundred people, as long as they're private. So uh, we've had alumni groups from universities, you know, we've had corporate groups, things like that, clubs. Um, but the difference is everything will be customized. There's no like, here's our weekend in Havana, you know, itinerary, and this is it. And, you know, sign here and here's how much it is. And you go, you know, no, we want to know about the group. We want to know what they want, what they need. We, we design everything 
for that. So we ensure that they're they're dot, you know the, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed as far as U.S. regulations are concerned. But again, I I, I hate to I don't I don't want to um, let's say dwell on that because when someone sees an itinerary from us, they'll look at that and they'll go, "What restrictions?" It's their itinerary will look exactly like what they would want it to be when they go there. And in addition, once they're in the country, they have a private guide. So all of our trips are private guided tours. They have a guide assigned to them the entire trip. Just for them, this isn't like one person shows up at 10 o'clock to take them on a walk, walking tour of Old Havana, and then after lunch at 2 o'clock, some other person shows up to take them into Central Havana. You know, it's, it's a guide, who, and they literally pick them up at the airport. Um, they have a driver also. This is two separate people. They don't have a driver guide. It's a guide and a driver um, and, and full-time transportation. And the guide, even when they have this itinerary, which they'll love, they're happy with the itinerary. It's been gone over. We have drafts. We go back and forth through this thing. The There has to be flexibility while they're in country. So um, and the guides know this. And the idea is Remember, I don't care if it says we start at 9 a.m. If you are out dancing at the salsa club till 2, uh, no, you don't have to get up and be ready to meet me at 9 a.m. the next morning to go to this. Lo- you know, when do you want to meet? And, I, and we'll, we'll readjust, you know, it, it's because you know what? The, we cannot have you feel bad about that salsa experience, which is incredible. We don't want you to we don't want you to miss that. Right. Um, or if you're definitely not a, a late night owl, but you still want to experience salsa, there's a matinee, you know, in another location. Maybe a different crowd will be there than there would be at the late night one, right? But you're still going to get it. You know, it's like, so the guides kind of facilitate all of that because some of this has to be unstructured. Um, and especially in Cuba, I think it's that way anywhere in the world, but especially in Cuba where, you know, I could tell you, uh, tomorrow, uh, apparently there's going to be this band playing at this location, but honestly, until we get to tomorrow and the guide calls the, the, the nightclub and says, who's playing, it's not a hundred percent. It really isn't. Um, and so they, they our, our guides act like nightlife concierges in the evening. It's like, it's more like traveling with a local friend who's fun, who speaks, who speaks fluent English. Um, you know, knows everything like the back of their hand has great stories to tell. They're highly educated, you know, but it's that, it's that kind of feel. And so, you know, when our travelers leave their, their experience is such that it's like, okay, I made a new friend. I want to keep in touch with this person. Um, you know, it's that kind of thing. So what are the average, I don't know if you can give me a range of costs just so that the agents listening know which of their clients can afford something like this, who they should suggest sure. it to. Um, so the, the, uh, the things that affect pricing, right? We, there are things that we are, you know, we don't bend in certain ways. Like I said, we mm-hmm. always provide a full-time guide. We always provide a driver and transportation. Um, there's just a certain level of service we provide and period. Um, uh, and we have a reputation and we're just not going to, you know, ever sacrifice the quality of our travel. But the it's, first of all, there's seasonality, just like there would be anywhere. So peak season in Cuba is from, let's just say, uh, mid-November to April. That would be the more expensive time of year as far as, and that's really mostly based on accommodations. 
um, costs of the, of the rest of the stuff, guides and, you know, meals and sites and all that, that doesn't really change. Mm -hmm. But during the period when, you know, from November to April, which is also happens to be the most pleasant weather. Yeah. So that's, there's, there's no accident. Obviously there's a lot of holidays <laughs> that, that come into play in that period of time too, but it's, it's the drier season. It's less humid. It's uh, more temperate. You know, it's still going to be like eighties, but it's not going to be, you know, 90 with a hundred percent humidity. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so, so that affects price. The number of people in a group will affect price because you're going to have a guide and a driver. And therefore, if it's one person versus 10 people, mm -hmm. um, obviously that cost is spread over more people. And the, the, the last real aspect is where they stay, accommodations. So like I, I, I mentioned earlier, there are true five-star properties now in, in Havana. Um, and when we mention five-star, uh, for us, it is not, I don't care about the star. It's it has to be, you have to have a sense of place. I want, they have to be in a, in, in a, it's about location. It's about quality of service. Um, and the design should be one where, you know, you're in Cuba. I mean, what's the point? You like, let's face it. You can stay at a Ritz Carlton almost anywhere. And often they're the same. They're the same. That's not what we're looking for. Right. So when I say true five star, you know, if that's how you want it, the hotels that we put our clients in will be, um, of the kind, like, great, you know, top end service, great luxury and comfort mm -hmm. and everything and all the amenities, but yeah, you still, still know sense. you're in Cuba. Yes. Yeah. The other side of the coin is boutique properties, boutique hotels. Um, that's very popular in Cuba. There are some that's more like a staying in a converted mansion. Let's say it might have only eight, eight rooms, uh, near embassy row in, in, in various neighborhoods, the trade-off. So those are usually a little less expensive for sure. Still beautiful. So, I mean, everything's, you know, the room, every room is different than the next. You know, it's a great experience. The one thing we always point out is that location wise, those will be a little further out of the center, um, maybe 15, 20 minute drive right into the center of town. And they're, you're not, they're not going to have a rooftop pool deck, right? I mean, they don't have amenities like that. More, compare it more to like a bed and breakfast. Okay. Um, and then for those that really want like the whole private villa experience, there are those also that we can provide. It just depends on what's right for your group. Mm -hmm. um, and that affects pricing. So that's why when I say I give a range, um, you know, we're anywhere from like $650 to $1,100 per person per night for everything. Okay. It's, so it's it's kind of a big range, but I have to give that range. Because, yeah, no, I would expect that, um, and I think you know agents understand that as well. Yeah, so so it's and, and the thing is, it's it's hard. And one of the things we always try to explain is, if someone looks at our pricing and is comparing it to just a hotel price somewhere, then it'll look expensive. But then it's not comparing; it's comparing apples and oranges, because when I say a price, it's Everything is included. And, and that's, we have to do it that way. They do not, this is a key thing for, for uh, travel advisors to know, they do not accept U.S. credit cards in, in Cuba. There's no ATM machines. You, you, you need to spend, you know, the vast majority of money has to be spent in advance, especially if you want to use your credit card with a company like ours. Otherwise, Forget about the legal side of it for a minute. I mean, yeah. if you just if you just wanted to go over there, uh, you could you know you could carry a suitcase full of cash with you <laughs> to pay for things, you know. So it's 
and who who uses cash anymore? I mean, yeah. it's all, that that alone already. When we explain to people, you know, ninety percent of it will be covered, but you will bring about at least a hundred dollars a day per person for extra stuff. You know, they're like, oh, cash, real real cash, you know. Um, but yeah, so these are some of the some of the considerations. So when so again, it, you know, if people end up having any kind of sticker shock, it's really important to the advisor. Like, wait, hold on, I'm not just talking about a hotel. This is the whole ball of wax. That's it. So the food, the activities. Does that include for, the gratuities? Uh, it includes all the activities, all gratuities. Um, uh, the the guide, the driver, the, the vehicle, the accommodations, visas. Um, all you know. All Not the, having to keep records the, for five years. <laughs> right, right. All the customization of the itinerary and all all of that stuff. I mean, it's like it's very relaxing. So, like, you get there and you're just you know, you're in a warm embrace the whole time with this, with the ability to still have flexibility um, and, you know, make the trip your own. But it's, you know, it, it is kind of just, it's nice. A lot of people say we kind of convert them. You know, those who have never traveled that way get get very spoiled. Like they, they, they recognize the difference, you know, because some of them have gone on like the cookie cutter, like, and they don't want that. And they feel like there's no, there's no in between. There's, I do it all myself. Um, and we just walk around with our photos book and, our, and then we use the internet and we book our hotel and off we go, we get recommendations from friends or we do something where it's really you know, rigid. Um, but no, you don't have, that's not your only choice. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of travelers, like if you haven't experienced travel like this, if you're used to doing it yourself or, you know, going on a big bus tour, the only way to do Cuba would be this way. And it gives them that experience. And I think once they experience it, then they're going to want that for the rest of their trips too. After that and versus, um, you know, I think sometimes people say, Oh, I can't afford X, Y, Z. That's not in my budget. We can't spend that much on a vacation. But then once you have that, suddenly you're able to afford it. (laughs) It becomes more (laughs) of a priority and you travel that way going forward. And, and I think people also, like, if they do the math, they realize, oh, wait, you know what? On that last trip I took all by myself, uh, I almost spent the mm. same amount of money and it wasn't nearly the same experience. Yeah. So it's the the, the money ratio isn't as big a difference as, as they might think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and I know, I mean, you know, so you've got travel uh, professionals that primarily that are listening to you. They, the, if they look at the trends, this type of trend is growing. And I think it's not going to stop the, the custom private, but yet fully, you know, bespoke designed itinerary with private guide and all of that. It's, it's, um, it's growing all over the place, not just in a place like Cuba. And so I, I, I think that's, that's a wave of the future. Yeah. People are less satisfied with just checking things off a list of things they've seen, but I think they more now want to experience things and have, that more customized experience of what they want to see and not just what some brochure says they should. So, yeah. Right. I agree. Absolutely. All right. Are you dying to go to Cuba as much as I am now after hearing that? Uh, When I go, there's no way I'm using anybody else but David and his team at Cultural Cuba to help me plan my trip. So I hope you learned a lot in this and I hope you're excited to sell Cuba to your clients now and that you are able to see all the possibilities and how easy it can be really it feels like or it has felt like 
a very complicated and difficult thing to sell. But after this conversation, I just feel like it's as easy as sending somebody to Hawaii almost. So I hope that you've enjoyed this and gotten a lot out of it. If you want to reach out to David and his team, you can reach them on their website at culturalcuba.com or email them at info at culturalcuba.com. And David said you can reach out directly to him, but he travels a lot. So the easiest way and fastest way to get a response is by using that info email. And then his team can reach him for you if you need to get in touch with him for some reason. So I will also link to all of this in the show notes as well as their Instagram account and all of that in the show notes can be found at travelgeniuses.com slash episode 41. I don't usually have them in the notes in your podcast app, but you can find them at travelgeniuses.com slash episode 41. And then make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss part two of our conversation where we talk a little bit more about the business side of things with working with a smaller, more specialized DMC like Cultural Cuba. All right, you guys have a great week. I'll see you next time. Bye.